This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll add that later. What's up, you guys? Sean Rothsap here for the Fightful.com podcast. Shane's mad because his lower third isn't up there. Little does he know that I can't add that. Only he can add that. We're just happy to have the technical issue straightened out. Uh, Lots of fun on this show. This episode brought to you by Skills, the worldwide leader in mobile esports. Play the games you love, win real cash prizes. Go to skills.com slash fight on your iOS or Android device. That's skills with a Z. Download your favorite free games. When you make a deposit, skills will double it. Then when you use the promo code FIGHT, you'll get an additional $10 in free bonus cash coming straight out of Shane's pocket. Come on now. Straight straight out of his pocket. Shane, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. Well, I mean, I should ask you how you doing since the death of your fantasy football team. This is ridiculous. As they got absolutely jobbed the fuck out by the pterodactyls just saying did you notice the name that i put on the the microphone when i had it sent to you by the way the pterodactyls well i don't know see see that's that's an example of a bad promo see you you insulted the people your opponent and then your opponent dishragged your ass so you in effect just told the world that you got dishragged by a turd I think that fits. That fits for you. I don't. I don't want to hear this shit. I don't want to hear this shit anymore. I don't want to. But talk at least about it was it. close. I only won by like fifty points. So it was pretty close. <laughs> You're a dick. So we're we're doing this show. It is. Hold on. Oh, 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 and, and also, not only did I decimate you oh, in fantasy football, let's talk about those MMA picks in which I went perfect across the board. You did, and you. I did pretty shitty. What'd you think about that show? I thought it was a fun show. It did did great numbers, amazing numbers, best numbers they've done in three years on TV. So that was was a good show. For the live people, though, it was a mistake having Faber go on early. Faber was the main event of that show. That was such a great moment. I got the girls got a chance to to be in the main event, you know, not a knock against them. And I noticed what some people always say, you know, give the girls a chance, you're fine. But that main event was Faber. Uh, the fight delivered, and Faber should at least been the semi. I get the push yeah. of Mickey Gall and Sage Northcutt, but here's why also in pro wrestling that that might could have been done because you know the crowd's going to be super hot for Faber. So maybe the semi main was actually kind of a buffer to let the crowd digest before the main event of uh, Paige Van Sleep and uh, the old cool, the old cool down. Yeah, I yeah, would watch. That might have been what they were. What they were. I'd watch Sage and Mickey Gall fight a hundred times, though. I loved it. It was a good fight, man. Those two guys are going to be good, you know, both of them. Uh, I know uh, Sage dropped uh, Gall there in in uh, in the beginning, so that's going to be that's going to be good. And the fact that he went to the Diaz brothers afterward and said, "I need to work on this shit," that's that says a lot about him as a fighter and uh, his maturity level. Because you know, it takes a lot sometimes for guys like that to admit what they're not good at. So of all th- that's people, going to be good going forward. All the people that he went to, the Diaz brothers, you couldn't find a more anti. Somebody was like draw, like photoshopping the Diaz brothers and Sage Northcutt onto like NWO pictures. Like he yeah. like he teamed up with Hall and Nash there. Um, we're going to talk uh, about like uh, basically a special subject. It's Christmas, but before that, I got to say, uh, awesome move on TNA's part. Deletion DVDs coming. That's a oh, hell yeah, of a move. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good. Got to get, you know, uh, there's a lot of things I can't really speak on, you know, uh, 
because I'm behind the curtain, but there's some good moves coming. And if everything goes according to plan, 2017 is going to look very promising. Well, it looks very promising already. There are not a lot of things in wrestling these days in which would be in high demand on home video. That is one of them. That's like, that, that's a pretty, it's, it's fantastic. And I had asked Matt Hardy if this, if he wanted this to happen months ago. And he was like, I hope so. I hope so. So it's good to be able to see that actually happening. Yeah. And the feedback's still pouring in, you know, especially with today's fans, you know, a couple of days after something happens, that's usually you stop hearing about it. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still so many days later and it's just, it's coming in, it's coming in, it's coming in. The feedback's been great. So. The thing I like about this is the type of feedback I get, or that was the greatest thing ever, or did you really like that? I love that type of reaction that I get from this. Like when people ask me and I'm like, that that's what I really like. Like people are at least talking about it because if there's something, a lot of bad things that are on, on in wrestling today that people don't like, they won't even talk about, but people feel so right. passionately about this one way or another that they, that they talk about it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I totally get some of the purists not liking it. You know, I mean, if you like heavy metal, country and western ain't going to be your jam. So, you know, uh, that's totally acceptable. You know, I like for wrestling to be a variety. I like a little bit of something for everybody. I don't like just the one-dimensional shows where it's kind of just that flavor. I like a little bit of something for everybody because I think our audience is pretty diverse. So I'm still I'm still behind it 100. Keeping it 100. I'm very excited to talk about basically a topic that we're doing today because it's Christmas. There's not a lot going on per se. We're going to talk Royal Rumble. More specifically, your experiences at the Royal Rumble. You've had a, you've had some interesting happenings at the Royal Rumble. But first off, I want to know how did you feel like basically as a youngster about the Royal Rumble? Was that something you would look forward to every year or were you just kind of indifferent to it? I like that. I like the uh, unpredictability of it. You know, I mean, you know, once you got past the first couple of years, and I, I don't think even WWE knew in those first couple of years what they had there. It kind of grew and took on a life of its own. And um, I grew to love it. It, it grew to became my uh, favorite pay per view of the year. You know, because you could get a uh, get a group of people, and we'd always put the numbers in a hat, not the names. You don't want the names. You want to put the numbers in a hat or a bowl or whatever, and you pick out your number. And I mean, we continued this well into my career. You know, I remember being in WCW, uh, and this is, <laughs> and uh, some of the guys were at uh, Chris Canyon's house, and um, I know I had two numbers, and we put in like fifty bucks a piece or whatever, so I had two numbers. But I had a house show, so I was doing a house show, and uh, <laughs> and so Canyon would call me whenever my number was coming up, and the first number, unless I'm mistaken, I almost decidedly recall it being a honky tonk man. So <laughs> you know, he puts the phone. <laughs> Up to the TV, and I'm sitting there going, man, who's it going to be? And all I hear is, I got a long side burns with my hair slicked back. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> you know, all due respect to the honky talk, man. I love him, you know, but his ass wasn't winning that rumble. I knew that. And so, uh, you know, kept going, kept going, and you know, hung up because I had to do whatever. Driving to the next town. And uh, moments later, minutes later, I get a call. Okay, here's your next number. Put, he puts it up to the TV, and the glass breaks. Stone oh, cold. No. I was like, fuck <laughs> yeah. I got a chance. Maybe I got a chance. And uh, I ended up winning. Stone cold ended up winning. But um, fucking Disco Inferno was there and kept my money. Like, I owed him something for something, oh. and I can't remember what it was about. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to just take that money. <laughs> and he took my shit. Oh, man. Bastard. Now, you came into WCW after they had done the World War Three thing, that that concept was gone. Uh, so you never got to be in one of those. That was sort of their answer to the Royal Rumble. What did you think about those? It was laid out a lot different. It wasn't the same format. You started with like three rings, which I, you know, as a kid, I'm like, damn, three rings. <laughs> but uh, it was all. It was usually a big cluster. But but what did you think of it? It was a cluster, no doubt. It was, uh, you know, because I got into the business early on, so I just knew that this is going to be pretty distracting and hard to pay attention to. I mean, uh, rumbles can be hard to pay attention to as it is, you know. So, uh, but the spectacle was good, you know. It was kind of like war yeah. games, you know, you had the two rings in the cage. There were going to be times where you just couldn't pay attention to what was going on. And from a production standpoint, that had to be a fucking nightmare for the guys in the oh, truck. Yeah. You know, what camera, what to shoot, what to shoot. Because those aren't matches that you can go and go, hey, let's lay, this, lay these spots out A to Z. It's not going to happen in those type of matches. There's going to be a lot of 
hey, we hope this shit works, you know, and go out there and uh, do it on the fly. So from a production standpoint, like I said, that had to be a nightmare. Games is such a great concept, and everybody's waiting for the WWE to do the war games. And I don't and I don't know why they're you know sitting on their fingers about it, but you know it's it's you know, so they weird. Tried, they tried to create the Helen the Helen in the Cell was the answer to war games. I, I don't know why people haven't pieced those together sometimes. But it's the so actual, weird that they like, haven't the done that. Again. Yeah. It's so weird they haven't done that because Vince McMahon could still take credit for it. He's got the elimination chamber structure, which I'm sure if WCW had that structure back then, they would have used that. Yeah. That way you've got the competitors already locked in and then you release them. It seems so natural. It's weird that they haven't they haven't done that. Until until the wrong door opens. That's true. That that has happened that, before. That, yeah, that did happen. I was at that one. So what were the differences for you? in working a battle royal versus a Royal Rumble. There, there's obviously plenty, which the, the irony is oftentimes when you were in Royal Rumbles, it wasn't a bunch of people. It was you and a couple other guys. Yeah, I mean, well, the difference is that, you know, <laughs> the battle royal starts and there's a bunch of people in there. That And that's the most dangerous match in pro wrestling is an independent battle royal. That's mm. when people get hurt. Nine times out of ten, the promoter's got some of his jackass students in there. And they're not all jackasses, but there's going to be some. And uh, as they should be doing, I've been in battle royals where guys were suplexing each other. They're running spots, ropes to rope. You know, there's 20, you know, 25 people in there going crazy. So I've seen, I seen people get hurt in battle royals more, I think, than any other match I've ever seen it happen. The difference between the Rumble, obviously, if you're in the Rumble, you're going to be in the WWE, so you're going to be in there with much bigger stars. Uh Nine times out of ten, so that's that's the on the surface biggest difference. But the rumble was just something that I always liked. You know, battle royals, I could you know take them, take them or leave them, leave them. You know, uh, I think the only battle royal for me that was even significant was the one where I first got my hands on uh, on Rocky. So um, we did one at WrestleMania too. I remember uh, it was like SmackDown versus Raw. The WrestleMania. This might have been the one in. They, they used to All do the them shows before, together. And, and basically as the pre-show or the dark match or the the, the fill-up match, uh, they, they had a lot of them for years. But it was a good one, though, at the uh, – maybe the WrestleMania goes Hollywood. That might have been the one. Oh, five. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. That one that started out pretty good. So, um, yeah. The rule of thumb I was always given in Battle Royals especially is don't bump until there's like four guys in the ring because it's going to be dangerous otherwise. Uh, especially it's a lot of times on indie shows, those rings are real, real small. Uh, yeah. So I'll when you, you were I'll in WWE. crazy ass. Here, let me tell you the story. You're like this. My tag team partner in Omega, the big daddy, Mike Maverick, one time, uh, was at this show. Um, one of him and another buddy of mine, Mad Max, Chuck Coates, uh, they were in this battle royal, and the promoter wanted his buddy to go over who wasn't even a worker. Some of these, there's one of these jackass Bush League shows, you know. And they wanted this guy to go over. And of course, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. So they get in there and proceed to throw his ass out about three times. <laughs> they just kept throwing him out. He kept coming back in. Hey, guys, I'm supposed to go over. They go, oh, yeah, man, we forgot. Throw his ass right out again. They <laughs> just kept doing it. <laughs> that big what daddy. was the reaction? What was the reaction? After it was done, like, did you all get Mike, yelled at or anything? Mike, Mike's about 6'5", 250, 260. He ain't saying <laughs> shit to him. He might have wanted to. Oh, man. I'm, so I'm when, sure, you WCW, sure when, you, when you were in WCW, when you were in WCW, did you, were you like, did that ever cross your mind? Like, wish I could be in this Rumble. Maybe I'll never be in one. Because you didn't know at that point. No, I didn't know. I mean, uh I, th- I think everybody wants to be in <laughs> Rumble at some point, so I'm sure it wasn't. I don't think it was anything I, you know, stayed awake at night dreaming of or anything. But of course, I think everybody wants a good Rumble spot. So, which I got. First, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. We're gonna lead into that right now. The 2002 Royal Rumble. I will say, you didn't last too long, but you had a moment that people still talk about today. Is still shown today, and really is. I thought that was a very good Rumble, and. <laughs> It was the perfect thing for your character. It was really cool. You come in, you got a good reaction from the crowd. <laughs> you stalk Triple H and Steve Austin, who are there. 
You do the goozle. You're about to choke slam them. They look at you like you were the dumbest <laughs> son of a bitch in the world. And they heave you. Yeah. And, of course, it sets up all the puns. They got the, look at him fly. Of course he's flying. He's got a cape. What was that experience like for you? And how did you go about setting that up? Who, who came up with that spot? Oh, that was 100% me. Everything in, in that ring. I mean, it was short as it was, that was, that was all my idea. Um, you know, Pat Patterson helps book the Rumbles, and that was the Bushwhacker spot. You know, you always got somebody come in, they're going to get out quick, you know. So uh, that came to be known as the Bushwhacker spot after – I can't remember which one did it first. It might have been Luca Butch. But, well, it had to be Luca Butch, but um, imagine that. Yeah, he um, came in and he walked, and then he, he walked in the ring, got tossed out, and kept walking. Never stop. Yeah. So, uh, so this was going to be something similar, uh, but I didn't have no time frame. I wasn't given a time frame. All I knew was that it was going to be Austin and Triple H in the ring, and this was, and Triple H was the one who came out before me. Okay. So now you now to dive into the inside of a performer's mind and a pro wrestler. So okay, this is going to be Triple H's return too. The return from the quad injury, I think. Yeah. And so we know or at least I know and predict he's going to get this massive reaction. And so when you're the person following a massive reaction, and I hadn't really popped as the hurricane yet. I'm still in the face paint. You know, I'm getting giggles and stuff like that. And it's working and I know it's working, but you know, I obviously I popped a little bit better after that. So this is still in the building phases of what the hurt, what this character can be. Uh, so I know it's like, man, I'm following this great big pop because you rather follow, you rather follow like some shitty pop. That way, yours by comparison is going to seem better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, oh man, following the big pop, you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever. Now I know I'm gonna be in there with the two top guys. <laughs> you know, the two top guys. You know, in the company. So not not just not just any two, the two. The two. And so, okay. Well, now well, well, I gotta figure something out here. So. And came up with that idea. Now also keep in mind that I'm still a new guy in the company. You know, still fresh face. You know what I mean? So, and you got to be tricky or you got to be, you know, uh, tactful when you're going up suggesting spots with the top two guys in the company with your monkey ass, you know, in a, you know, I'm still a new kid. I'm still a new face there. So you got to be tactful about that. But I knew it was a good idea. And so I talked to Kurt quite a bit. Kurt Angle was the first one I went to, you know, because I had an amateur background. No one near as extensive as his, but we had that in common. I would, you know, just, he's a cool guy, and he was someone I went to. Told him the idea, and he, you know, he popped huge. He's like, yeah, that's great, you know. Uh, go, go tell Steve. Like, I, I think in my mind I wanted him to just <laughs> offer to go tell Steve for me or suggest it for me. But, you know, of course he did. Yeah, go tell Steve. I'm like, damn it. Okay. So I go to Austin. Uh, Austin goes, um, you know, I sit there telling him, Austin, <laughs> big pop from him. Yeah, he goes, yeah, go run it by Pat. I'm like, damn. So now I got to go tell Pat. <laughs> you're trying so to be the kid the who's like, you're trying to be the kid who's like, can I stay over? No, you ask. Yeah, you know. And uh, So then I go to Pat Patterson you know, and I run it by him. Oh my God, I love it. Crowd go banana. <laughs> I'm like, damn. So now I got to go tell Triple H too. And so, so I go and run it for the fourth time. Like, yeah, here's the idea. I want to see what you think. Say, oh, that's great. He said, that's great. That's, that's perfect. And I uh, said, so, but that was like, that's over the course of like two hours because everybody was always busy when I went to them, you know? Like, they were never just free. So <laughs> it was all this anguish because you don't want one guy to go who the fuck do you think you are suggesting such yeah. a thing to me you know what i mean you don't want to come off like that you know what i mean and people like me anyway so um so anyway when it worked all i remember was being at the curtain and i was just like please pop you know when they play my music because yeah. <laughs> you got austin and triple h in there going at it i was just like please please like me <laughs> so, so what so was gotta, vince's reaction what was vince's reaction to the spot after it happened like how did he think it was executed I came to the back, got the big thumbs up, but even better, the next day uh, they were watching it in catering. And Vince isn't always in catering. You know, a lot of times he eats his meal in his office, and he happened to be in there and was watching, and that spot unfolded again. And he just go, <laughs> now that's good shit. <laughs> but I tell you what I said when I came through the curtain. When I came through the curtain, I just looked right at him and said, I almost had those motherfuckers. 
<laughs> Sket, skedaddle. Uh, so uh, that was perfect for your so character. Yeah, everybody, been a good spot for anybody, you know. But like with my character, the, you know, the fact that I'm going for the choke slam and I'm gonna get him, and then they're like, and you can see Austin is all into it for a second. He's like, ah, and then he's like, what the fuck, you know? Uh, just perfect, perfect for them. They, those guys, they, they made it. Their reactions made it. So, um, you know, respect to them for being professionals and letting a silly ass kid like me, you know, uh, call the shots there. What was your reaction <laughs> to being told that you would be in your first Royal Rumble? Oh, I was super excited, man. Everybody wants to be in that one. You know, I mean, with the Rumble now, I mean, when it started, it was just that match. That pay-per-view was just about that match, you know, uh, as it grew to other, like, important matches there. So if you weren't in it, at least you were going to be, you know, maybe in an important match. Uh, what you don't want to be is in either. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be left on the sidelines. So um, I was always excited to be in those matches just because I knew – especially like when you did the brand split, there were certain guys we were never going to be in the ring with again. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they kept that brand uh, split really, uh, they really stuck with it there back in those days. And so, uh, and the rumble was the only time you're going to be able to get with guys. That's the beauty of some battle Royals, you know, cause there might be some guys you, you're never going to lock up with, you know, I, that's the only place I ever got to lock up with yeah. uh, Eddie Guerrero. So um, that that's the beauty of those matches. Who tells you, like, in, in that first match, like, are you told, hey, you're going to be entering here. We got to get you the hell out soon. Is that when you start, like, maybe the wheels in motion saying, okay, I'll do this thing, the double choke slam, Or were you just told you'll be in the rumble and then you decide, hey, this will be a way to get me out quick? Well, we knew the story was going to be Austin and Hunter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Triple H, and two, you got to. You know, I mean, I was very realistic about what my role was in the company, especially at that point. You know, there was a whole, there's a big backstory on why I went along with that Hurricane character. I mean, that was never what I wanted to be growing up was a superhero. You know, I mean, I, I wanted to be a superhero because I was a comic book fan, but I never thought I'd be wearing a cape and a mask in a ring. Um, okay, you know, this is this is this rumbles about Hunter and Austin. You know, that's what this is about. And I'm a little bit player in here, but how can I make the most out of the scene that I'm in? And that's that's what it was about. How can I make the most out of that? And you know, you you better get creative in that because you know if you only got a if you only got a short moment, you better make that count. Like if you got if you're gonna be in, in the rumble for a long time, you can go in there and dick around some, and you know you can have time to do a little bit of mo- some good spot here and a good spot here. But if you only got a short moment, it better count for something, you know. So you weren't in the 2003 Royal Rumble, and you weren't in a match on there. Now, I looked at this, and I saw, like, Spike Dudley fa- – I, I saw Spike Dudley had faced Stephen Richards, and you had had, like, a little short, very brief, like, TV program with Stephen Richards. You had faced him the Monday before. You faced him the night after. Were you given a reason why you were left off the show or anything like that? No, you know, I mean, sometimes there's no reason, you know. It, and sometimes it is that – if they put you in a spot and they don't want to beat you. So sometimes it's actually a good reason. You don't want that because that don't help your paycheck at all. You always want to be on the show, but sometimes like, all right, well, we can't beat him. And so we'll just, you know, put somebody else in there or, you know, whatever the case. There could be a lot of good reasons. There was never anything bad. I was never like fucking up or anything. So, but if they didn't, if they weren't doing anything like super solid with me at the time, you know. Was that discouraging was, to you? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit, you know. You always, I mean, everybody wants to be in the mix, you know. So anytime you're not, of course, it's a little bit. But you got to look at the at the, uh, the reasoning why, and you know. You were in the mix in 2004. You got your first offense, real offense, at a Royal Rumble match against Matt Hardy. A flying body press, beautiful. Then Matt Morgan, who looked bigger that. than ever. Oh, yeah. He was no-selling some of your punches, and you poked him in the eye. He caught you off the ropes and he dumped you out 19 seconds. Now, the real story in this, you held your leg when you fell out. That that looked nasty, that fall. Did you get hurt on that? No, not at all. But I knew that it was a weird landing. And so mm-hmm. I uh, started really overselling my knee and I uh, got to the back. And, like, it was uh, evidently it was so good they had the trainers all lined up to come and I'd check me out. They thought I blew my knee completely out. But I was good. Oh, yeah. I, th- I, thought, I thought your knee was gone there. I remember watching it live. I saw that, and I think John Cena's elimination. I was like, they lost two guys. Their their knees are both blown out. But uh, 
I sold you a ticket, kid. That's what happened now. You did. Absolutely. Uh, you came in and you hit that body press on Matt Hardy. Is that something you all go over before, or do you just see Matt oh, yeah. there and you're oh, like no, – no. no, you're not going to go and do a damn body, <laughs> body press to do a rumble without, without having – knowing something's coming. No, so – now, again, having a short short moment, you know, you got to make it count. You got to do something big. Um, and two, like I wanted to do something. They wanted to do something with Morgan. And uh, this one was specifically they wanted to get me out pretty quick because the bodies were maybe they were getting a lot of people. But it wasn't nothing like, uh, I mean, one of those where I'm not winning. So why, you know, I don't get paid by the hour. Let's get in and get yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had Matt Morgan come in there out of like a house of fire, and then, then he literally wasn't on TV for like a year yeah. after that, which was kind of weird. But he didn't necessarily he probably, take care of me on that uh, spot. So. <laughs> it really looked nasty. Yeah. yeah, he's a strong, he's a strong bastard, man. You know. Also, a fellow fellow uh, wrestling podcaster. Although our show is much better than his. Uh, two thousand five. This was an interesting show. You got a you got an interesting reaction here because this was right after Hardcore Holly, Chris Benoit, and Eddie Guerrero had beaten the living shit out of Daniel Pewter. Before we went on the air, I showed you a still frame of Daniel Pewter taking a back suplex. He did it with his arms out like this, his head back like this, and his legs spread like he was the last girl at the bar trying to find somebody. Luckily, he saved his own neck. Did you know that they were going to beat the living shit out of him before they got there? I asked you because apparently they were in the mood to keep it going because they chopped the living shit out of you as well. Yeah, I remember them chopping the shit, the shit out of a pewter, and I was like, oh. I remember thinking, I'm going to get some of this when I get in there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if uh, – I mean, I didn't talk to them about uh, chopping the shit out of me, and I didn't know that they were going to chop the shit out of pewter. Uh, Pewter, for some reason, was one of those guys that was getting a little bit of uh, heat in the back, but I don't think for anything, uh, I don't think he meant to or like doing anything really malicious. Uh, just that's how that's how that locker room happens sometimes. I remember they were beating the shit out of him, though. And I remember when they got me in the corner, Eddie chopped me and he hit me right in the lips. Yeah. And uh, that whole spot uh, came together in the in the in the ring. We didn't call uh, how how I got eliminated at all. I, I tried to talk to Eddie during the day and he had a lot going on uh and he just you know he kept kind of like brushing me off a little bit uh not not mean you know just he was really busy and again this is one of those times i knew i was only going to be in there for a little bit so i wanted to make it count you know and uh but uh benoit was a buddy you know so i went and talked to him i was like yeah man eddie's kind of uh he don't seem like in he's a good mood he's like yeah don't worry about it you know he, he gets like that and um but when it when we got in there and we started bumping around and doing our thing, there was a moment when this was the perfect moment to get me out of there. Like I felt it, they felt it. So without saying anything, three minds came together and it worked out the way we needed it to. Yeah, you're officially credited as being eliminated by both of them. Benoit whipped you into Eddie, who tossed you over. You hit a blockbuster out of the corner before that, so got a little offense as well. When you're eliminated that early in the I, match, do you go watch the rest of it or do you just kind of fuck off for the rest of the night? First of all, when I did that move, it's called the overcast. So okay. research your shit, Mr. Sapp. Um, you mean uh, to tell yeah, me that's not the buff blockbuster? I stole that shit. Took it. And Man. I would make people kick out on one. With a frozen um, bottle of water, you took that what's shit. What's it frozen? Don't listen to his bullshit. A little plastic bottle of water. You treated him like Debo. You're like, my move, punk. Yep. Um, so what was the question? I don't even remember. But once again, uh, you notice it took two of the, you know, biggest superstars in WWE to eliminate me. I mean, look at the people it takes: Triple H, Austin. Then you got Mac Morgan's gigantic blueprint ass. Then you got Benoit and Eddie. I'm just saying, I noticed the pattern here. Well, we're getting to another big name here in a little bit too. Uh, after you're eliminated that early, do you go back watch the rest of the match, or do you just fuck off? Like, what's what's the process after? Because that was pretty early in the match. Now nah, you go back and watch it. I mean, I'm I've never stopped being a fan. I want to watch it uh, too, and it's it's a damn process getting all that shit gear I wear. I mean, all that stuff I wear. So it's a process getting all that stuff off right away. I think normally I go and try to wash my face real quick and get that makeup off because it burns my eyes. But um, I try to watch as much, especially that that rumble. Well, especially. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Especially that rumble, it had an interesting finish. And a lot of people like they wonder if that finish was supposed to happen, if it was planned. Well, WDB says even today on their true story, the Royal Rumble, uh, that wasn't planned, but you couldn't have planned those two hitting at the same time any better. John Cena, Batista. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, did you happen to see any of the reactions from anybody backstage when that happened? Because a few people had to know who was going to win and be like, oh, shit, what's going on here? We just saw the massive, like, what the hell is going on? And uh, I was kind of – uh, at a monitor that was away from Gorilla. So I, I got up and went down to Gorilla once I saw Vince walking there. For a while like, oh, he walked sh-. there. Yeah, yeah, for a while. And then once he uh, heard himself getting in the ring, then we were like, then, you know, the tone took on a different And we couldn't really tell what happened because I didn't see him get hurt. All I know was when I was trying to get to Gorilla, then I saw him sitting uh, sitting in the ring. I was going, what the fuck's going on here? And because uh, it was, I mean, obviously it looked fucking crazy. And then starting to realize, that, oh, man, he's hurt, you know. And nobody wants, I mean, no matter what, you know, we see one of, one of us is seriously injured. That changes the tone backstage. You know, and no matter what what the crowds, if they're reacting to it or not, once one of us is hurt, that changes the tone backstage. So uh, now we're worried, no longer worried about the finish of the match. We're worried about Vince at this point. So he was he was away from TV for a little while after that. Like, had you been there and him not be present for a while? No, that's, that's the first time. That was the first time he was ever not there because then he like tore his other leg coming back or something. Yeah. Like he uh, walking back because he refused to be helped was the story uh, that I was told. And he ended up tearing, oh, tearing the other quad. So uh, that's a tough bastard, man. Yeah. That's the only time uh, that was the first time there that, uh, you know, there was a Vince absent, but he was back as, as soon as he could, as soon as he could come back and, you know, be mobile. He came back. What changes were made after that? Like in his absence, who was running the show? I mean, I mean, he still had his input. He just couldn't physically be there to, to do what he did. You know, I mean, uh, a lot of the preparation for the shows, well, most of the preparation for the shows happens in Stanford anyway. So I'm sure he was at the office and stuff like that. Or he would have the writers and creative come to his house, which he would do any, any, a lot anyway. So his input, input was still there. You know, just certain uh, last-minute decisions, uh, if they had to happen on the fly, probably went to Hunter, Stephanie, uh, you know, people in charge. I'm really excited to talk about the next Royal Rumble. Of course, a big moment for you. Uh, 2006 Royal Rumble Cruiserweight Open match. Uh, you won the Cruiserweight oh, title man. here. You weren't a SmackDown guy. so that, And they, they were, there was a lot made of that. Now, this, this match, like when I looked at yeah, I researched, I'm like, where, where did Shane wrestle? How long did it go? I was like, seven minutes. Uh, this was a good damn seven minutes. Uh, this was. Yeah. This, felt like 12 or 13. It was an open invitational that featured guys that had been in WWE, WCW, ECW. You had been a Raw star. When had the decision been made to move you to SmackDown? I didn't know until I showed up in the building that day. Wow. And, so, uh, like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, a funny thing, a funny side bit there. I had got to Florida a couple of days earlier because the, uh, the girl I was dating at the time was down there. Uh, she was a worker and she was in the biz. So I went down to see her and, um, you know, the Gregory Helms character was a, you know, dressed a little bit nicer than the, uh, you know, hurricane character did. So I know I had started buying suits and stuff. So I showed up at the rumble in this nice ass suit and Malenko, the Malenko walks up and goes, who told you? First thing that words out of his mouth, not hello. He goes, who told you? And I go, tell me what he goes, who told you? I go, I just got here, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you don't know what's going on. I said, no, I go, but sounds like it's either good or bad. I don't know. I mean, uh, and then, uh, so uh, later on, he didn't say anything right away. Uh, actually, yeah, no, yeah, he did. Yeah, he kind of mentioned to me. So, okay. He said, you're uh, in the cruiserweight thing at the beginning to start the show. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, okay, that sounds good. But I don't think I knew that then that it was going to be uh, going my way at that point. 
So how far, how long before the show is this that you find out you're in this cruiserweight match? And then how far ahead do you hear that you're winning? Uh, I mean, it wasn't too long after that, you know, I mean, probably around lunchtime or one o'clock was when I was told. Wow. So you were revealed as like the surprise entrant and you had been going back and forth with Jerry Lawler for a couple of weeks on raw. So this kind of halted that. What did you feel about that? And it was really weird. Like you came out, they had Lawler punch you was, uh, maybe I'm forgetting. Was there any finality to that situation or was it just not really? No, we we went to, we did a uh, pay-per-view match. I did a pay-per-view match with Jerry. Oh yeah. And, uh, Sorry about that. And, and uh, that was really odd. I remember, you know, like, uh, there was some kind of weird thing, weird about who should go over there. Like I had no problem putting over Jerry Lawler, especially in, in a heel capacity. But if they're going to build me as a uh, as a new young heel there, you know, uh, losing to a commentator uh, in my first pay per view might not necessarily be the I- ideal situation. But at the same time, I knew I was in there with a legend. I was like, you know, I, I was nothing. I was going to argue because I'm like, I, I personally didn't feel that losing to Jerry would 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 harm me at all, and that that there would just be something on the back end. You know, after that, um, something where I get gets my heats back, as Perry said, yeah. would say. And uh, but but I <laughs> I never got my heats back. And um, but that I think they they knew they wanted something for me there. They were really getting behind my work. Uh, I mean, they were all, they always liked my work, but uh, really starting to understand what I was trying to do with with this uh, Gregory Helms thing, which is actually make people hate me, which no heels do anymore. You know, I wanted, I didn't want merchandise, and I think I may have told you about that before. I had a meeting with Vince, and I didn't want T-shirts, and I didn't want nothing. You know, uh, I want people to hate me so, you know, so bad that they don't cheer for me, and they'll love anybody that I face. And I was trying to do really different stuff, you know, um, and uh, that just led, I guess, led to the the cruiserweight thing. So, yeah, I forgot about the the New Year's Revolution match. Yeah, you 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 had that. How excited were you to not have to make your hair fucking green all the time? Oh, that was a blessing. Definitely a blessing. Uh, you know, a couple of tw- tidbits on that day. You know, the day that I turned my hair, uh, dyed it back and got the, uh, you know, got the green all out. Had it gelled up. There was a little, you know, a little gel, a little wave, <laughs> wave shit going on. Had some glasses. Uh, keep, and I grew the beard out for the first time. You know, I only had the little chin piece, uh, the little chin. Oh, that's a heel beard. That's a heel yeah. beard. Yeah, yeah. You, you see it. And um, and so I was in the locker room, you know, had a button down shirt, you know, got the glasses on, a little beard now. And Tyson Tomko thinks I'm an extra. And he's looking at me <laughs> and he goes, can I help you with something? And I know he doesn't recognize me. So I go, no, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> and I just stare at him like a dick. And he's like, are you supposed to be in here? And I go, yeah, are you? And so now oh. he's getting, now he gets mad. And then I take off the glasses and I got my shitty grin. And he was like, holy shit. <laughs> and that same day, um, uh, it was, I know it was Candace Michelle. I think it was Candace Michelle and Tori Wilson were doing a uh, photo shoot together. Was it, I think they were paired and they would always do, you know, I don't know if it was that yeah. HLA storyline, but it was something in that vein that they're doing these photo shoots together. And so I'm over there and I'm just, you know, I got, still got the glasses on and I'm being all creepy and I'm doing all this and that. Like I'm looking at them, you know, you know, this type of shit. And of course they're getting uncomfortable. <laughs> and, so, and so I walk over there and then I, again, I just take the glasses off and grin and they're like, ah! and they run over. So my, the first time I came out as Gregory Helms, I, I could hear people in the crowd and they didn't believe that it was me. They're yeah. like, I don't think that's really him. Well, I see the tattoo because you can see the tattoo, the, the Green Lantern tattoo. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's really him or not. <laughs> it's kind of cool how you you never stopped being the same person through WCW to TNA, but your characters all looked and acted a little bit different. Enough to yeah, where you'd be like. That was real important to me, you know, and, and I knew that's how you make characters work. Like I see guys do that in the business all the time where they change personas but it's just the exact same person. You didn't do anything but change your name. You know, uh, Chuck Palumbo is a great example, and I like Chuck a lot, but the, the way Chuck worked as Chuck and Billy was the exact same way he worked uh, as Motorcycle Chuck. Now he just drives a motorcycle. Or when he was in WCW in the thrillers, and before that he was a jungle, you know, Tarzan-type character for whatever fucking reason. I don't know. But he still worked the whole same, you know. I mean, worked exactly the same. It's because he had the hair. That's why he was the Tarzan character. I, I guess. And... You know, so when you go through it, 
when I did the hurricane and I was like, man, I made my walk different. I made everything different. And the same thing with the, uh, when Gregory Helms, like now I'm not going to do any of that shit. My walk was different. My swagger was different. You know, I wanted to have different looks. Uh, and I was actually, I mean, of course I was able to uh, have different facials cause I'm not wearing a mask anymore, but I wanted everything to be different to completely separate those characters. And uh, that's, I mean, that's a little bit harder to do than people realize, you know, until you actually try it. But there were still people that go, I don't know if that was really the hurricane or not. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Guys, a reminder, this episode brought to you by Skills, the worldwide leader in mobile eSports. Let's you play the games you love and win real cash prizes. Go to skills.com slash fight and try a few different games. Uh, there, there are several of them. I like the solitaire games. I like the pool games, the bowling games. I'm terrible at all of them in real life. Fantastic at them at skills.com. It is uh, free to play, but what's really cool is you also have the option of competing for real cash prizes. You can win money playing games on your phone. You can win up to $100 in a single tournament with entry fees as low as a penny. They even have free rolls on there. They have a variety of games for iOS and Android devices, including puzzles, bubble popping, solitaire trivia, the aforementioned bowling and pool. You can also play head-to-head with people of your skill level. So while I'm awesome at them, Shane would probably be terrible at them. It's a lot like fantasy football. Like, really, Shane should not have even faced me in fantasy football because I'm way above his level. He pulled Shit. off a miraculous victory. So, so you know, that can happen I, in skills, I too. will post the report on that, and it will show you oh, exactly God, how no. many times of the year that I, should, that I could have beat you. So just so you know. Oh, try it for free. When you make your first deposit, skills will double it. That's skills with a Z. And when you enter the promo code FIGHT, you'll get an extra $10 from Fightful in free bonus cash. Skills.com slash fight. Use that promo code FIGHT. Please don't post that report, by the way. So I'm looking at it right now. I think I'm going to read it on air. Oh, God. Well, no, we got to talk this 2006 Royal Rumble. Anyway. As is tradition, you get the shit kicked out of you by everybody in the ring to start off the match. Like, every single rumble. You just get attacked okay. by a bunch of people. You know, you said that uh, I, I did the crossbody on Matt Hardy right off the bat. Well, yeah, but then... So you are in error, Mr. Sapp, once okay. again. So, three out of four ain't bad. If you hit 750 in the major leagues, you're getting uh, a crazy crazy contract because i mean that's never happened before uh this was this had some familiar talents in it it had jamie noble it had funaki it had kid cash whose haircut went back like 15 years between his ecw and wwe run it was really he looked like doonesbury you remember that comic that comic Mm. strip in the in the newspaper he looked horrible man i Um, i I only read real comics man forget that news yeah well it was it was terrible Either way, uh, one of the highlights of this match, you hit this awesome, like, top rope neck breaker that you sold the living shit out of yourself. Like, that was, that was <laughs> pretty cool. A, that's not a sale, motherfucker. That shit hurts. <laughs> it, was, it looked damn good. It looked awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm still the only one that's ever done that. And I, I only did it a couple of times. I did it sparingly. I would do it to Jamie Noble here and there. Um, but it, it damn really damn hurts because you just jump and throw your body to hell and say, listen, let's do it. But when you're young and dumb, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I wouldn't even a, think about doing that shit now. It was a seven and a half minute match that felt a lot longer in a, in a really good way to me because it was nonstop action. When you have six talents, six cruiserweight talents, that's mm-hmm. almost expected. Uh, you ended up beating Funaki with a shining wizard. And really that match – to start off, the crowd wasn't that hot, and then by the end of that match, the crowd went crazy when you finished that. When you when you finished it off, uh, what were your feelings of the match when you got back? And like, at what point did you find out? Hey, I'm going to SmackDown <laughs> after I won that match. Now, I guess I found out early once they told me I was going over. So I was like, so am I on SmackDown now? I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, how does that How does that change? You, I mean, that's a different travel schedule, right? Oh, without a doubt, it changes everything. It's going to change who you who you ride with. You got to find new, somebody uh, new to ride with, so it it does make a big change. And now you know you're coming home on Wednesday as opposed to Tuesday, uh, but it's nothing that you can't get over. You know, you're a professional and you're there to work, so uh, nothing nothing super to bitch about. You just um, you know, a new shift from first to second. You know, hope, hope you didn't ride with Noble. You'll get stabbed, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Go. 
but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal to me. I mean, I had a lot of friends on both sides of the uh, of the shows on either show, so no big deal. So does Vince People McMahon love come up to you, man? Does Vince McMahon come up to you and say, "We're gonna put the title on you for three hundred and eighty-five days, pal"? No, my my run was a little bit more organic than um, you know what the well, I guess what New Day just did. Mine just kind of happened. Um, there was no plan on it, and that was never going to be the deal. And uh, that's why I really hated that they they broke that record and they just took it away from them right away. And that just really told the world that hey, we did that just to break the record. It's like ah, I don't like that. They should have kept it for even longer, you know. Um, you you not only broke the record, you more than doubled it. Tajiri's was one hundred and sixty two days. You landed at three eighty five. I mean, I was just a workhorse back then. That was probably my – that's what – no, not probably. That is my best body of work as far as what I was doing in the ring and definitely my best body of work as far as what I wanted to do in terms of crowd manipulation and making them hate me and making them like other people that they didn't necessarily would not have liked as much. Um, so, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I was wrestling the world champion quite a bit, world tag team champions quite a bit, the U.S. champion. Um, and But just eventually I just outgrew the belt, and that's, you know, when the decision was made to – to move on before this had you been informed of any like either short or long-term plans on the raw brand uh no no i mean you know so i i think it was really just a test you know they wanted to do something with me um you know uh and that that's what you know whoever came up with that idea is like you know let's put him in the cruiserweight division hey let's give it a and maybe that was, you know, maybe maybe the New Year's Revolution thing with Jerry Lawler was a test to see if I had an ego or attitude problem, you know, as far as putting over Jerry, which I think you'd have to be an asshole, you know, to complain about putting over Jerry. I was yeah. fucking thrilled to be in the ring with Jerry Lawler. So, um, so you know, I mean, I, I don't know if there was any long-term run. I know they wanted to do something with me. Uh, Vince wanted to take one last good shot at the Cruiserweight division and make it and see what he could do with it. And uh it just kind of worked organically. We created something there. Also, I like the set that year. It was, it was like the doors that they opened up and people came out of. It was, it was really cool. You don't see a lot of sets like that these days. They have an HD screen that they can pretty much put whatever the hell they want up there on. So right. they don't do a lot of that these days. 2007, you were in the Royal Rumble match. You came out running sideways as hell. What was up with that shuffle sideways run you were doing, Shane? I was trying to be sneaky, man. That was my repo man shit. I was about to say you came out looking like the repo man. That was the whole that was the whole mindset behind that set. Because everybody else just kind of runs and they're all up, you know, and I want to be a sneaky little asshole here. So I come out there trying to creep and, and snuck in there. And uh I slid in and I just happened to grab Sabu's headpiece and picked it up and threw it right at Matt Hardy's face and went right to him. Speaking that wasn't up. that wasn't that wasn't a plan. It wasn't a spot when I just slid in and happened to be there and I said, Fuck, you know, throw it right in his face. And- Speaking of, I would say that JBL arguably had his greatest commentary line in the history of his career here. Uh he came in and he said, Well, this wasn't the line, but he goes, And Helms is going right after his buddy Matt Hardy from North Kakalaki. And Michael Cole goes, Well, they're not buddies, JBL. And JBL cuts him off and says, I was being facetious, you jackass. <laughs> Well done. Well done. Yeah. I remember I that. JBL, JBL was great on commentary back in those days, man. Oh, yeah. That, that line, like me and I think there were like three or four of my friends that were there watching. We just exploded. Because that was like around the time when, you know, it was really cool to not like Michael Cole as a wrestling fan. And JBL, like you said, was real good. Uh, I, got a, I got a friend that uh, would always, anytime I mentioned Michael Cole, he would go, but is it symbolic? And was, <laughs> it was some Michael Cole quote that I'm not even sure what the hell he's talking about. But anytime I happened to mention Michael, he would go, but is it symbolic? I was like, what are you talking about? But apparently there's a Michael Cole quote about the undertaker and something being symbolic. I don't know. There you have it. I got to find that. In, in this rumble, you had a little interaction with Sabu. Then you and Sabu try to toss over edge. Then uh, you worked with edge a little bit, went around. Kane came in. He was the house of fire. Ends up hitting you with a tilt side slam. Now, that's is that something like, you know, they do this a lot. Like, they did it actually with Matt Morgan before you came into the match. But these guys will come in, they'll hit people with a bunch of stuff. 
Is it just the type of thing you make eye contact, you run at him type of deal? Because there's no way you can really plan that, is there? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of just feel the feel the groove there going on. Now, that, Keep in mind, that, I haven't. I didn't know we were really going to talk about the rumbles, and I haven't seen any of this shit in years. So I'm sitting there going, "Man, I don't yeah. remember this at all." <laughs> there's a lot of well, there. Like, I don't remember it. Do you remember that tilt a whirl side slam you took? Because it looked like maybe. Now I'm I'm just hypothesizing here. It looked like once he got you up, you were maybe like tombstone, and then he slammed you, and it was like, oh shit! It no, looked. No, no. I worked. I worked with uh, Kane quite a bit. You might not notice, Mister Sap, but I'm pretty fucking good. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I was there for 10 years. I was, I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. You end up getting tossed by Lamont, Ernest Miller's old manager. Nobody important. Come on now. Actually, it was, King, it, was King, it was King Booker. It was King Booker, another Hall of Famer. Dastardly King. I mean, I'm just saying, you might notice a pattern. Except for Matt Morgan. <laughs> Hey, he you know what? I thought, he had a lot of potential. I thought I was surprised TNA never no, put the yeah, belt on him. I was more than surprised that WWE let him go. I was shocked. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. I know when he came, when he uh, when he was wearing that big ass cape, was it Joey Ryan that was with him? Was that why he was doing that? The Hulk Hogan Thunder Lips cape. So. Yeah, I thought, man, that that was a that was a he was a you didn't like that. It was okay. I mean. It was fun. I don't know. I like I liked him coming out in that Thunderlips robe, boy. I thought that was money. I always wanted to see him. He always would tell me I can do a moonsault. And I was like, when are you gonna pull it off? And he was like, maybe at a bound for glory main event. Maybe. Um, there, there's, always, you there's, in always, there's always big guys that want to do that shit and they're so happy to tell little guys they can do it. I've seen them. Yeah. Oh. Hey, I can do a moonsault. And I'm like, a moonsault like is really fucking easy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, so what? Hell, I can't do one. I can do anything forward moving. I can't do anything like that. Matt Riddle claims that he can do a 630, but I don't believe him. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. These kids now, these- I know that over the yeah, I know over the next couple of years, I'm like, Matt, you can legitimately beat the shit out of people. Don't do a 630. But I know over the next couple of years, you dealt with some real bad injuries like real mm-hmm. real bad injuries you you had two broken vertebrae in your neck you weren't in any more royal rumbles uh you missed the 08 rumble and 09 you just weren't in it 2010 you weren't just in you just weren't in it uh what yeah, were yeah. your feelings of being skipped over in the 2009 2010 royal rumble that's because i was on that ecw show and it fucking sucked and i hated it i saw they your were- last televised match actually live i was there <laughs> They wanted me on. Oh, I don't know that. Was that a? I'm not even sure who that was with. Who was Fincy. it with? It was who a was? six man tag. Uh, I feel like Goldust was in the match. Uh, me, Goldust, and um, Yoshitatsu. Yep, in Cincinnati, US Bank Arena. Um, they specifically wanted me on the ECW show. Uh, I guess, and I was told, and this might have been something sci-fi was looking for a sci-fi character, and so I fit the bill. And they wanted me on that show, but I just I wasn't a big fan of that show. Just by I wasn't a big fan of the narrative of that show because it wasn't what ECW was. And what ECW was holds, you know, it holds a strong, powerful place in, in pro wrestling history. It's what led to the attitude era, which was the boom. You know, that shit came from ECW. So uh this being ECW light, you know, technically, yes, I was in ECW, but the WWE's version was a far cry from what you know uh the actual ecw version was and i just didn't like being on that show you know and i, I would tell vince repeatedly i had a lot of talks with him i don't like being on that show they didn't really have any, a lot to do for me there um and you no know, now so now when you got the rumble i think so now they got divided up equally amongst three shows and i think that was one of the things that i got mad about one time i was like i'm not in this match and these motherfuckers are and you don't want to be that guy you don't want to say why yeah. them and not me but there is a talent level where I'm going, hey, I'm still selling merchandise. I'm good. Some of these guys fucking suck. You know, I need a better explanation, you know, for why I'm not doing this. And um, that led to some frustrations. And bef- I mean, that's why before I ended up getting my uh, future Endeavor contract, <laughs> uh, I was talking about not resigning anyway, because I think my contract was up in July. And I was just like, you know, I need to 
I think I need to go away and just refresh myself from his company a little bit. If, if you know, I'm just going to be on this ECW show, I, I wasn't a fan of being on that show. I loved my story with Paul Burchill. My story with Paul Burchill was one of my favorite stories with the company period. And I loved working with Paul and I thought he was really talented, but as far I as he was going to be huge, I thought he was going to be huge. Just, just the overall vibe of that show. I wasn't a fan of, you know, it gave some guys some good opportunities, no doubt what Matt Hardy was doing and what Christian did, uh, you know, gave Mark Henry a good, some good deal. But overall, I, I just, like, like I said, I wasn't a fan of the vibe. It was NXT, but, you know, and, and that's what they were doing. They were trying to, you know, bring up the newer guys. And so, and the only way you can get new guys over is to, like, put them over your established stars. But then if the new guys, if it doesn't work out, all you've done is shit on your established stars. You know, so it's this gamble. And they would gamble with guys that I thought weren't ready. And uh, so that was frustrating. It was a frustrating place to be in. Yeah, that would have been the 2010 Royal Rumble. Shelton Benjamin, Yoshitatsu, Zack Ryder, the only three people from ECW they put in that Royal Rumble. Rough. Very rough. Yep. Shane, any any other memories maybe we didn't touch on regarding the Royal Rumble before we go? No, man. Uh, I just I, I think that's a fantastic uh, concept. Um I think, you know, I remember Steve Austin. I just listened to Bruce Pritchard's podcast and talking about the 97 Rumble, the one where great, Austin was just throwing it. Great Yeah, great podcast. Uh, him and Conrad are great together. Um, mm-hmm. And so I remember that one being fantastic. I remember one where Diesel was just tossing motherfuckers. And I was like, man, that's cool, you know. 94. Like, the one where Flair won the title and became WWF champion. Uh, I remember going crazy for that. Uh, the one Sean start to finish was really good. Uh and man, the cardio on guys that get in there and go start there. I know Ray had one that was, I want to think he was over an hour. Somebody went over an hour. Yeah, I think. an I hour and three minutes. They, I, and if you look, if you look really closely in the corner, refs are like handing him bottles of water and stuff as he's, oh, really? <laughs> and he's uh, like sucking wind and he's drinking water. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, that's, a, that's a little cheating, but I'm going to let him slide because there's yeah. no way in hell I could go An hour and three minutes, though. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why the credit to that little bastard? He's awesome. Um, I know, like, at Bound for Glory, we do this match called uh, Bound for Gold or something like that. And um, mm-hmm. and I want that to grow and be more like a – I mean, it's kind of a Rumble-type thing anyway. And I, I know – not at this year's, but at the year before, it's the one where Al Snow came in and Tommy Dreamer. And that was at my suggestion. I was like, yeah. they're already here. Let's use them. You know, I was like, people are going to yeah. love it. And I want, I, I want to continue to do that. You know, I mean – and it's, I mean, I know people are going to say you're copying that, but fuck, it's, it's a great idea. You know, the, they, they didn't create the Battle Royal. They just made it a little bit better and, and became their own. So um, I would like to see us, if we're going to continue to do that Bound for Gold match, to do something where it's a little bit like that and we get some surprise entrance. And uh, I want to see the Bushwhacker in the Bound for Gold. That's one of my goals in 2017. Damn. The crazy I, one or the one that can still work? Uh, uh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely Luke. Luke's Luke's still down in Florida anyway. He's a I teamed with him a couple years ago. We're called the Hurry Wackers. Wow. Oh yeah, I, no! Yeah, 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 good good stuff. But um, that, that's a I, good concept. That's a good concept. That Rumble Man and uh, Pat Patterson was a lot of the brains behind that. He uh, for the kids today that don't know him, I'm sure you most people listening to this never saw his work. But uh, working with that guy, a mind that just gets it, you know, and he was such a, a big fan of mine. It was instrumental in, in helping shape the way I looked at a lot of things. So uh, got to give him so much credit for making the Rumble a success. Shane, thank you for taking this trip down memory lane with us. Guys, follow Shane on social media at Shane Helmscom. Follow me at Sean Rossap and follow Fightful at Fightful Online. Uh, obviously go there for your pro wrestling, MMA, boxing coverage. We have live coverage live viewing parties, all that cool stuff over at Fightful.com. Damn, it got dark during our podcast. I didn't even have my light on. People don't get to see this beautiful face. They got to look at Shane and his heel beard. Looking good, kid. I'm looking good. Guys, until next time, we're out. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.